This is the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church of Ames, a podcast designed to help you live a gospel-fueled and faithful life wherever Jesus has called you. Welcome again to the Equip Podcast of Cornerstone Church. My name is Mark Vance. I'm the lead pastor here at Cornerstone. And today, the subject on the Equip Podcast is patience. That's right, patience. Now, this is a word on patience from a very impatient person. I don't find waiting for anything something that comes to be naturally. But what I will say is I think patience is a virtue that in this season of uncomfortable endurance, God is trying to teach us as Christians. In particular, this subject of patience has been coming to my mind as I've been reading a new book, one actually that was referred to be by Jake Each, who's pastor at Veritas Church in Cedar Rapids, and Mark Arendt, who's over in Iowa City. The book is called The Patient Ferment of the Early Church. It's a book by historian Alan Creeder, and what he's doing is walking through the improbable rise of Christianity in the Roman Empire, and he's asking, how did that happen? And so what I want to do actually today is I want to go through some of the teaching that Creeder brings us in this book, The Patient Ferment of the Early Church. I want to consider some of the lessons of the patient endurance of the early church and what they can teach us right now in the uncomfortable days in which we find ourselves living as Christians. And so the first part of this is going to be a little bit of a history lesson, but then stick with me because we're going to keep pushing in to some observations that I think this should teach us in our present moment as well as Christians. So I want to just briefly kind of take up this book. And so if you even hear some flipping of pages, I actually have this book in my hands. It's The Patient Ferment of the Early Church, And I want to just read you a couple of quotes from it. The beginning of the book, here's the main question that the author is asking. He says, why did a minor religion from Eastern Mediterranean, marginalized, despised, discriminated against, grow substantially, eventually supplanting the well-endowed, respectable cults that were supported by the Roman Empire and the aristocracy? In other words, what enabled Christianity to be so successful that it went from a marginalized group of nobodies to in the fifth century being the established religion of the whole of the empire. I mean, when you think back on the history of the Christian church, the growth of Christianity is incredibly improbable. For one, the early Christians didn't follow a popular figure in Roman culture and the Greco-Roman world. They celebrated as God and king, a Jewish carpenter who wandered around as an itinerant preacher and was eventually crucified by the Romans. Just the very nature of that early start of Christianity is absolutely stunning. And yet here we have it that within just a few hundred years, Christianity rises to becoming the dominant religion in the whole of the Roman Empire. And even as we look back on that story, what's surprising in a lot of ways is historically, you don't see this like in-depth pattern or plan that the early church laid out. In other words, Christians didn't have some sort of grand missions program to reach all the nations. In fact, I'll give you another quote from Creter here. He says, according to the evidence at our disposal, the expansion of the early church was not organized. It was not the product of a missions program. It simply happened. The growth was not carefully thought through. Early church leaders did not engage in debates about rival mission strategies. 
In fact, Creter goes on to say, in the early church, they didn't write a single treatise or book on evangelism. They didn't think about growth that way. And yet, in the midst of all of this, somehow this church grew and grew and grew like a little seed planted in the ground. It eventually grew up into a great, great work. How did that happen? So Creter suggests that the key to the growth of the early church is four elements, kind of four basic realities that were true of the early church that enabled them to grow. Okay, I'm going to review those four just briefly so that we can kind of write them down. The four of this, they grew because of their patient endurance in the middle of suffering. Second, the church grew because of their habits of life. It wasn't that the early church had always the best intellectual arguments. It's that they lived the best lives of love as simple people. Third, as they gathered to worship, they catechized or they taught the people who came through a very powerful corporate gathering. Don't think powerful in terms of like big music or things like that, but a steady and faithful teaching of God's word and gathering together to worship. And then the fourth was what he calls ferment. Think of like fermentation, just this bubbling up of activity. And the ferment there can only really be explained that God was at work by his spirit, doing something underneath all of it, building up the pressure through fermentation until there was an explosion. So again, I want you to notice what's missing there. In those four elements, patience, habits, worship, and the ferment of the Holy Spirit, we don't have planning. We don't have political power or social capital. We don't have big buildings. We don't have any of the things that actually, in many ways in the Church of America, we attach to being a successful church. And yet this movement of patient people who habitually walked with Jesus and worshiped together by the power of the Spirit changed the world. And in particular, Alan Creter spends a significant amount of time on the virtue of patience and how that was central to how the early church grew. I want to just point out a couple of keys to what he means when he says patience. Many of the early church fathers, from Justin, who wrote from Rome, to Clement of Alexandria, to Tertullian or Origen, all of these early fathers wrote extensively on the idea of patience. In fact, of all of the Christian virtues, it may be the one that they highlight the most, that they're to be persistent and patient in character, that they're to wait for Christ to work, not to fight for their own needs. Patience shaped their life together, even in the middle of hostility. They said, even as we're persecuted, we're called to live quiet and godly lives and to do good to all men, especially to those of the household of faith. They didn't organize huge movements to rebel against the emperor or to try to fight against the governing authorities. Instead, they did their best to see their communities flourish as they were part of them. The early church was not characterized then by a huge movement of radical opposition to the governing forces or trying to overturn the social norms. No, what they said is, in our life together in the church, we will show the different values of God's kingdom as we patiently wait for Christ's return as king. 
this was consistently their emphasis, that they would never reach out to gain power, that they would never retaliate, even in the face of severe persecution. Let me just kind of point you to some of the work of Cyprian here, who's one of the early fathers, kind of built on the work of Tertullian as he went forward. And he particularly had a concern because he saw Christians growing weary in the face of life that seemed out of control and persecutions that were very severe. And to those Christians, he knew there was a danger. They were not only tired, they wanted to get revenge. They wanted to retaliate. They wanted to say, we've been attacked. We want to fight back. We're so sick of being marginalized. We're so sick of people taking away our rights. We want to push back against them. We want to gain that. They had a huge resentment building to the mistreatment that they had faced. Cyprian warned those Christians. He said, we should not hasten to revenge their pain with an angry speed. Why? Because one day Jesus Christ will return and ultimate judgment is his, not ours. His role is judge and king. Our role is patient and faithful endurance. And so in summary, Creter kind of puts the teaching of these early church fathers together that they have on patience. And he says, in broad terms, here are the themes of what they taught the early church. I want to review them. First, patience is rooted in God's character. God is patient. He has been working across the centuries to accomplish his mission. And in the fullness of time, he disclosed himself in Christ. Think of the patience of God, friends. Think of the generations of people who rebel against his name, who he showers with sun and light and grace. Secondly, the heart of patience is revealed most fully in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Jesus' life and teaching demonstrate what patience means and beckon us to follow him in a patient lifestyle. Third, patience is not in human control. Those who live a patient lifestyle trust God and do not try to manipulate their outcomes or circumstances. Fourth, patience is not in a hurry. This may go without saying, but patience Christians live at the pace given by God and they accept incompleteness, waiting, and discomfort. Patience is unconventional. It reconfigures our behavior according to Jesus' standards in many areas, especially wealth, sex, and power, where we may not get what we would want in the moment. Patience is never violent. It's willing to accept injury and insult without retaliating in kind, because violence is not God's calling and cannot bring about fundamental change. Patience gives religious freedom because we will not compel those who don't, do not agree with us to believe what we do. And then finally, patience is incredibly hopeful because it entrusts the future confidently to God. So how did a little marginalized group of nobodies see the world around them change? Through patient, faithful living for Jesus, where they habitually had a quiet and godly life, where they taught the scripture faithfully in their public gatherings and worshiped Jesus deeply together, and then where God's Holy Spirit worked in the background through ferment to bubble up a movement that would change the world. I think there is something in the life of the early church that I really needed to remember this week. So, I want to contrast what I saw in the early church 
to what I see among the conversation publicly in many Christians right now in this moment in 2020. I see impatience bubbling up all over in my own heart, in my own life, and in the public life of the Church of Jesus. I feel impatient. I want to get back to worship the way I want it. I don't want a mask on my face. I want my kids back in school the way it has been. I want life back to what I liked and what I felt comfortable with. I don't want to have protests in the street, and I don't want to have to listen to all of the noise, and I don't want to have a presidential election, all the craziness, and I feel the pressure in the middle of it, and I don't feel patient at all. I just want it back to normal now. That's what I feel like. And I see Christians who I fear have a greater interest in maintaining our social power or our individual rights than displaying patient endurance. I feel like the unbelieving world often looks at the church who, while their neighbors are limiting their rights and gladly wearing a mask in Walmart, wonders why Christians are fighting for their rights and pushing to live outside of governmental control. I wonder what the church looks like to the unbelieving world there. Do they see the patient endurance of Christ? I see Christians posting all sorts of things that I wonder, at the very least, have we forgotten the ninth commandment where we are not to speak ill of our neighbor. There has to be another way to voice in respect, opposition. I wonder if gentleness and patience characterize our public discourse. I even wonder why we tolerate so many of our public leaders and politicians speaking in a way that is aggressive, unthoughtful, unkind, and unchristian. Why would we retweet that? Why would we reshare that when we're the people of Christ who is a patient king and always kind to his enemies? Why would we tolerate less as Christians? Patience. And even on a personal level, I wonder if this patience is not in a hurry, that we live at the pace given by Christ. I wonder if that is characterizing our hearts and our lives. Like if we had a microscope to look at our own hearts in the mirror, would we say, you know what? In these past three to six months, I've just been so filled with patient joy in Jesus. To go back to another word from the early church, I go to the book of James, a passage that's come to mind often in these days. Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. It produces patience. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Ultimately, James goes on and says in chapter 1, verse 12, blessed is the one who endures trials because when he stood the test, he'll receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. That there was the motivating center of the patience of the early church, and it should be the motivating center for my life. Blessed is the one who actually can endure the uncomfortable nature of the coronavirus. 
Because when we stand the test, we receive something better than just life back to normal. We receive life eternal. In this moment, where culturally we want to get back to normal as soon as possible, I want to say I get that feeling. I understand it. But I don't think that a Christianity that will be a powerful witness to the world is primarily going to be a Christianity that demands its rights in the moment. I want to slowly and patiently walk forward with Jesus to show the world what a life of love, what a life of endurance, what a life of sacrifice would look like. And everything in me fights against that move to patience. I want to rush. I want to go fast. I want it back to normal now. I want all of those things. And I know Cornerstone Church and church out there, we all want so much of that. And many of those desires to go back to normal, I don't want to immediately label them as wicked or unkind. I just want to ask the question today, looking at the patient ferment of the early church, what if it is that God actually wants to do an incredible, powerful, fresh work of his spirit? I believe he does want to do that in these days. I believe that with all my heart. But what if that movement doesn't look like comfort, power, and an easy place for American Christianity? What if actually we are going back to a time when the early church has something to teach us powerfully about what it looks like for God to move by his spirit? Where you had a group of people who were patient in their belief that Jesus was Lord and King over all, and they could honor him even if they were opposed and marginalized? What if God is bringing us back to a place where our new habits of life that form us to be the sort of people who don't just talk about God, but who live the gospel, where that beautiful life in Christ says something to the world? What if God is taking us back to a time when our gatherings of corporate worship to form us by the word and by worship become so important as we rehearse what is most true? I wonder if we're not moving back to a time when as Christians— We need to learn something from our early church brothers and sisters who knew what it was like to be marginalized and knew what it was like to live without power and knew what it was like to live in the place of discomfort and pain. And yet by their patience saw God do something incredible. So The Patient Ferment of the Early Church is a book by Alan Creeder. If you want to look it up, it's an academic historical book. It may not be the funnest devotional read, but I think there's something from the early church to teach us all today. And so for all of you who are listening, God has called you. He wants you to live a life this week of patience. In every sphere of life, God help us. God help us to be patient parents, to be patient husbands and wives, not reactive people to those we love to be patient in the public sphere, if we're in a workplace, to be kind to people, to give grace, to be patient people online. Even if a tweet about patience doesn't look cool, it would be better to follow Christ. To be patient as a church as we return to worship and kind to those from whom we differ. And in all things, I believe that our patience, our endurance, as we count it all joy and we walk with Jesus in this season, has the chance to be one of the most powerful opportunities we ever have to witness to the goodness of Christ. I'm praying that God would, by His Spirit, bring a ferment, a bubbling up of new life 
as we live that life of patience. God bless you all this week. I'm praying for patience and endurance to grow in each of us.